0: You ready to go? Ready to go. You sure? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do this.
1: And that is a very big glass of wine.
0: That is, and yours will be equally sized. Jeez. For a good taste.
1: Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome to A Good Drop. I'm Stu. And I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers.
0: Now, what you've just heard us pouring was today's odd drop, a uh, Riesling called Monsters. Monsters, attack!
1: No joke, this label is hilarious. You guys need to check it out. And what does it taste like? Mmm. That's really good. Yeah, very
0: very sweet, but not, not excessively. Not to the amount that some Rieslings can be a little overpoweringly sweet. It's
1: it's a very strong flavour. Mm,
0: strong flavour but
1: subtle fruit tones and mm. very floral bouquet. So today we're talking about wine. We were going to do just an episode on uh, red wine but we thought let's start with an overall view of it, because there's quite a lot to this topic.
0: There certainly is, and we'll uh, come back later down the track to be more specific.
1: Stay tuned for Mickel's favorite wine. But let's start with some history. We got uh, like history is everywhere. This is like the most popular drink throughout history. We got uh, the Book of Genesis mentions the production of wine following the great flood when Noah drunkenly exposes himself to his sons. Bet they don't teach you that in Sunday school. Uh, there's Greek mythology, where the, uh, the childhood of Dionysus and his discovery of viticulture at the fictional and variably located Mount Nyssa. Uh, but he taught the practice to the people of central Anatolia, And because of this, he was rewarded to become the god of wine. Uh, We have Persian legend as well, where King Jamshid banished a lady of his harem, causing her to become despondent and contemplate suicide. Going to the king's warehouse, the woman sought out a jar marked Poison, containing the remnants of grapes that had spoiled, and were now deemed undrinkable. After drinking it, she was pleasantly surprised to find her spirits lifted. She took the discovery to the king, who became so enamoured with his new drink, he not only accepted the woman back, but decreed that all grapes grown in Persepolis would be devoted to winemaking.
0: Oh, that's pretty interesting stuff. I mean, wine is... The the earliest recorded findings of it were in uh, China around 7,000 BC, so it's certainly been around for... A long, long time. And as, as you said, very, very much present in religion as well, mm. with both the Greek god Dionysus and the Roman god Bacchus being gods of wine and fertility. And uh, interestingly enough, wine is also used in uh, religious
1: rituals in Judaism and Christianity. Mm. It's everywhere. Everywhere. But the, the oldest uh, known bottle, earliest recorded use... Like chemically certified use of alcohol was, yeah, nine thousand years ago, seven thousand BC ish. Not entirely sure of the accuracy of the dates when they go back that far. Mm, they well, usually just ballpark at it. A th- one one particular millennium.
0: Yeah, they, they uh, scientists have carbon dated from uh, residue on pottery that they found in China. And uh, so, yeah, they they ballparked around 7,000 BC and believe that the wine was made using uh, grape, hawthorn, long yen, cherry, or a combination of many of those, along with fermented rice
1: originally. So much stuff. Uh, Yeah. So once they made the wine... What do they put it in? We well, started off with uh, like clay pots initially, I think, and then the and then barrels, which were invented by the Gauls, and then glass bottles, inven- invented by the Syrians, began to compete with the terracotta pots for storing and shipping. And then, following the Greek invention of the screw, we're talking about a, a screw with things on it, not. Anyway, uh. That was a precursor to uh, wine press. So, the mm,
0: and then people were no longer having to stomp grapes with their feet to make wine; they could press it with a the machine. They could, but I bet they still did. Oh, and they still do to this day.
1: It seems like fun.
0: And I, I believe that that is listed as one of the holiday things you can do in Wine Country. <laughs> I'm pretty I sure people, people pay for the privilege of making wine. They're the people they just pay to go and sell and make more money from. So yeah. it's it's oh. a good business if you can get into it.
1: Yeah. Why not? The older oh, did we mention what the oldest surviving bottle was? No, oh, we with, did not. With liquid wine belonged to a Roman nobleman and it's dated around about three hundred th- and twenty five or between three twenty five and three fifty AD. Wow. Still containing liquid wine. the a Speyer wine bottle. I mm, wonder what that would sell for these days. I think it's priceless, to be no, honest. You wouldn't drink it. No. I suppose having it would be, uh, would be the ticket, just uh, just owning it.
0: Yeah, well, uh, at that point, it's, it's like a piece of art or something. You're going to mm. put it on display. You're not going to let somebody have it and consume it.
1: True. But isn't that half the point of wine culture today? Well, yeah,
0: aging to to a point. But once something is, you know, over a thousand years old, I'm
1: going to say it's bad. (laughs) So you you can't drink it?
0: What's the point of having it? Well, what's the point of having the Mona Lisa?
1: No one has the Mona Lisa. It's owned by the the loser. But technically they have it. They, they may be they'd like display uh, it for everybody else.
0: Yeah. But some people take works of art and they put it in their own collection to admire themselves.
1: Yeah, I suppose. I guess I don't really think of wine as a work of art.
0: Yeah, admittedly neither do I, but I don't have any that are over a thousand years old.
1: <laughs> and if you did, they'd be art. They'd be art, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Wine. When did it get to Australia? About seventeen eighty eight. With the First Fleet, they they picked up a few grapevines from South Africa, Cape Town, when they were passing through. Uh Uh-huh.
0: And then got here, found that in some regions, the weather's actually pretty decent for growing wine.
1: Hmm, It's very very good, very good in Australia.
0: Mm. And, uh, in fact, both our... uh, our good white and our good red, because we don't have a top drop and a good drop today. We've just got a good white and a good red.
1: We, we thought it was a bit too hard to pin down a top drop for each mm, and out of our price range. Yes,
0: well, and considering that <laughs> wine tends to be very much a personal feel thing. Yeah. Because there's so much variety in the flavours you can get, and not just in the variety of grapes and the flavours you can get, but in... The flavours you can get in individual grapes, things like a Riesling grape, will vary greatly in flavour based on where the grape was growing. And when you pick it. And when you pick it, exactly. Exactly. Like uh, our, our good white for the day is a uh, Pinot Grigio. And in Italy, they tend to pick Pinot Grigio early to increase the acidity. Hmm. Whereas in Australia, we let it go that little bit longer so it's less acidic and more alcoholic because we're a bunch of booze heads. (laughs) Mm. But also, uh, the way we make it here gives a slightly oilier texture for a more full-bodied
1: mouthfeel. I suppose different strokes for different folks. Indeed. So how do we make it? Which, Which
0: one? The Pinot Grigio. How do we make wine? How do we make wine? Good question. We take it and we put it into the... Well, we mush up the grapes, don't we? Yeah. And we put it in the container... And we sealed the container originally with skins and then later with corks when it was barrels and again with corks when it was bottles and now with screw tops because we're lazy like that.
1: Mm. Probably because it's cheaper too.
0: Yeah. I mean, admittedly, it's made in barrels and then transferred into bottles these days. We, unless you're producing it yourself, you're not going to make it in the bottle. You're going to make it in, a, a, in barrel. a barrel.
1: Well, even if you're making it yourself. Uh, if I was making wine myself... I would crush the grapes, get get all the juice out, get all the must out the um, and then depending on how whether I wanted a red or a white wine, it would be would depend on whether I leave the skins in or not because it's the skins that give the wine the color and the uh, darker, more bitter flavors, so really the only difference between a the the biggest difference between a Shiraz and a Riesling, aside from the different grape variety, is the fact they leave the skins in when they for a lot longer when they make the wine.
0: Yeah, and certainly, I mean, the uh, the the colour makes a difference, but I imagine they would still taste similar without because they do use entirely different variety of grape.
1: Mm. Sure would, but yeah, it's alcohol is mostly the same like you make it almost the same way yeah the
0: process is identical between so if you you,
1: if you remember from our cider episode last week we had we talked about how to make cider and again this week everybody's favourite bacteria it's yeast it's yeast always the yeast always the yeast uh I I was looking into a bit of homebrew uh a while ago and you get uh, different yeast varieties to uh, make different drinks because some some yeast have a higher tolerance for uh, for alcohol than others
0: mm, makes sense makes very good sense different things to uh, serve different purposes and yeast being a bacteria there are undoubtedly millions
1: of strains yeah yeah So the bit, yeah, and then so we've just talked about the difference between red and white. So what makes champagne special or bubbly? If we're not from not making it in the Champagne region of France,
0: yes, because that, that is a common mistake people make is in calling all sparkling white wines champagnes. When in fact it's the other way around. While all champagnes are sparkling whites, not all sparkling whites are champagnes. Mm. It must be from that region.
1: Don't say that in front of a sommelier; <laughs> they'll get very cranky.
0: Yes, indeed. That said, there are some very nice sparkling whites come from Australia and uh, from other places as well. I believe the uh, Yellow Glen is relatively popular, though not among my personal favourites. But it's one of the cheaper ones. It is one of the yeah. cheaper ones, uh, probably why it's so popular. I, I tend to see it at weddings and receptions quite a lot,
1: mm-hmm. especially if you need a bottle to to burn for. Well, not burn, but like waste for celebratory purposes. Yes, yes, indeed. Just don't hit anybody with the cork, guys. It hurts. Yeah, so the cork
0: and the pressure is where the main difference comes in with your sparkling white wines.
1: Indeed. The, instead of the carbon dioxide going out into the air, it gets sealed up and stays mixed in. Yep, and
0: that adds that effervescence to it. And builds up the pressure and, of course, is the reason they use an entirely different type of cork when they cork the bottle so it stays in. Instead of a straight cork, it's a cork that...
1: That handles a bit of, bit more mm, pressure. Yeah, bows out at the
0: bottom. Take, takes a bit more effort to get rid of.
1: Under pressure. All right, we're talking about fortified wine. What's the difference between wine and fortified, Mikkel? Well,
0: Well, it tends to be uh, stronger in flavour and sweeter and more alcoholic... It's also a wine
1: that has, in fact, been mixed with other wine. <laughs> yeah, they mix it with brandy, usually, which is, funnily enough, made from wine. So we get uh, wine, we concentrate it, and then we mix it with more wine, and then we drink it. Yeah, well, we leave that sit. S- sounds we, brilliant. You have
0: to leave the blend for, you know, enough time, let the flavours
1: grow. You know, oak barrels are often involved. Sorry, I forgot to age it. The aging is always important. Wine wine is all about aging, letting it culture, letting the culture grow.
0: Yes, yes, indeed. And even once it's been taken from the barrel to the bottle, the bottle itself makes a difference now that we're talking wine
1: culture. I was going to tell everyone how to make the earliest bottle of, or earliest known recipe. Oh, well, let's jump back in time to
0: that then, back to 7000 BC.
1: No, this one's not quite that far back. This is 2nd century BC, this recipe from the Carthage area. Still impressive to have lasted that long. Let's have it. Mm, but it was popular in the Roman Empire. It's called Passum, P-A-S-S-U-M. So if you get a spare year or so, you can grow your own grapes. Uh, there's some instru- instructions to to make it. Right, so... You've got to set aside, like, two weeks to make this. Takes a while. So you get your your grapes. Try and get your early season, well-ripe grapes. Then you dry them out so they start turning into raisins. Stick them in a vat. Put some more grape juice in them to uh, reconstitute them, to let them swell back up again. Then you squish them. And then you get the juice, and you stick it in a barrel, and you seal it up, and you wait.
0: And then, 14 or so days later... You drink it, maybe. Maybe, if, if you've done it, rice, and potentially with practice. But that is, there we go, simple wine. Simple. Simples. Simples. So that brings us around to, I suppose, our uh, our Good Red, because we've not talked about that yet. No. What was our Good Red? So our Good Red was a 2015 Girif. 2015 was a good year for Girif. It was a really good bottle. Very good wine, that mm. one. It was very nice. And a uh, Girif is uh, actually also known as Petite Syrah and is a black-skinned grape variety that uh, thrives in the warm Australian climate and uh, is actually known for its intense red wine style. It's uh, earthy and has uh, fruit characteristics of blackberry and blueberry usually with subtle notes of chocolate, licorice and occasionally oak. No, I mean, the oak sometimes isn't related to the grape so much as the barrel, but...
1: You, you can't see my blank stare, guys. This has gone right over my head.
0: That—that That is one of the... More important parts of it, though. But, yes, they're, they're a very pleasant grape, very popular in Australia. They yeah,
1: and it was very popular on this table.
0: It, it was, <laughs> and certainly 2015 was a good
1: year for that grape in Australia. Now, I, I hadn't heard of a Durif grape or wine before we had this bottle. Didn't even know there was a such thing. But I'm not much of a wine drinker, as you guys probably have found out by now. Mm. But certainly, this
0: is this is why we're being general this time because there is such variety in wines that we we could have gone on for significantly longer than a single episode and not even. Well, we will. Go, the point is that we will we go will. on for more than because a if if we tried episode. to do one episode just on reds, it still would have been a drop
1: in the bucket of reds. Exactly, and I'm sure you guys are enjoying the episodes, but. We don't want to keep you for three hours.
0: Yeah, exactly. We we want to kind of stretch it out. So that's why we're going to do... We're doing wine now and we'll do some other stuff and then we'll come back and we'll touch on wine again and then we'll do some other stuff and we'll touch on wine again. And while we're touching on wine, let's, let's learn a bit more about how to just choose a good wine based on when you want to drink the wine you're choosing because these are the sorts of things that if you're not a wine drinker, could help you to become a wine drinker, or at
1: least not hate it so much
0: yes, because a lot of people I think they don't their reasoning for not liking wine is that they've not had they've not found the right wine for them mm. so firstly and most importantly always read the back of the bottle every wine tries to describe what they taste like
1: all right, so our odd drop the monsters monsters <laughs> attack uh, okay it says from the winemakers that brought you <laughs> Double Love Trouble The Squid's Fist Naked on Roller Skates Passion Has Red Lips and Quickie <laughs> Go on Contains sulfites Contains milk No, there's not, no description of the uh, There's no description of the monster's monster attack
0: No they're just assuming you know what a Riesling tastes like. They, they
1: probably assume that the label sells it.
0: Mm, well, true. On, on that particular one, the label has a monster in it attacking a city. I think, I think that does sell it. It, it sold me. <laughs> but generally, the label will give a description of what the wine tastes like, much like the description I gave of what a Girif tends to taste like. With they, notes of licorice and hardwood. Yes, they, they usually have something like that on, on the bottle. And that's that's a good starting point because generally when you drink a wine, the things they're describing, they're the flavours you should get as it rolls back across the tongue and touches each of the different flavour sections of
1: the palate. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to try this and listen for these many scents. So I get apple and grape.
0: Well, yeah, you, you get apple, you get grape, but then you've got uh, because th- this is a Riesling. It has um, a sort of a the the mouth feel. It, it almost feels like it wraps your tongue, mm. which that's something that varies from wine to wine. A, a dry a drier wine, you would get a different mouth feel
1: mm. from and a from a drier wine. This is a very sweet wine. It's a dessert wine, I think it mm,
0: is. Yes, Rieslings are more more to the dessert side of the. Category, There's some people just like sweet wines and that's all they'll drink.
1: Mm. But you may as well drink soft drink. Yeah.
0: But um, the the next important thing about wines is about when you want to drink it. Because if you get a wine and drink it before or after the time that it's best, it's not at its best, and that's kind of a waste. So this Monsters, Monsters attack... Is what's known as a quaffing wine. Now, you can tell what sort of wine something is and how long it should be aged by the indentation in the bottom of the
1: bottle. So this bottle has almost nothing. It's almost flat.
0: Yep. and when there's basically no indentation at all, that's what we call a quaffing wine, and it should be consumed pretty much within two years of the date you find on the bottle. Now, this is a 2015 Riesling, so this year is the perfect time to be drinking it.
1: Great. Good thing we're drinking it now, wouldn't want it to go to
0: waste. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the deeper the indentation, the longer you can cellar it for. And if you have a proper wine cellar, of course, you can cellar wines for longer than if you don't have a wine cellar and you're just keeping them in a wine rack.
1: What about a wine fridge?
0: Well, when it comes to wines, if you've got a proper wine fridge, Mm. yes, you can sell them for longer than... Whites are a bit trickier than reds in, in that regard because if you keep them at the right temperature, it's it's longer. But if you keep them in a standard fridge, it's the same sort of thing as having reds in a wine rack. They're right. not at the prime temperature. They're not at that perfect temperature to be kept at.
1: Okay. So, say if I went to a white goods store and bought bought myself a wine fridge and... I could control the temperature from say twenty two degrees down to eight. Mm, then
0: then you could set it to a perfect temperature for whichever kind of white you had purchased. Or so many kinds of white. Something like not not too cold. You don't want to hit probably looking at around I mean eight to ten degrees is probably your your butter zone for
1: for most wines. Okay. So say I get A jeris, a bottle of some of our good red, red drop. Mm. So the the red, which is our jeris, yeah, which
0: is our jeris. If you don't have, if it's got a nice deep indentation in the bottom of it, yep. And by deep, I'm talking like you could fit up to your middle knuckle into the indent. Gotcha. Quite easily, then you could keep it for a good ten years, probably. And right. again, some, some wines, they'll clearly say on the label that it can be cellared. Mm. Because you can only make the indentation so deep before it takes up half the damn bottle. So they're not yeah. going to go crazy on it. So if it's right. one for cellaring and for aging for a long time, then why it'll either be really <laughs> expensive or it'll say so. Right. But when you're looking more towards the mid to low range, you're basically looking at cellaring for 5 to 15 years.
1: Also known as your linen cupboard with a bunch of cushions around it. Hi, Dad. <laughs> That's yes. what my dad does. He's, uh, he stores his wines in a, in a, a wine carton uh, that he uh, packs around with cushions and it's in the middle, middle of his house, so it keeps it nice, a nice and consistent temperature.
0: Mm, which, which is good, whether it's... As effective as a wine cellar, who knows? But undoubtedly more effective than just being on a wine rack on a shelf somewhere. Mm.
1: Or just out in the open. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly.
1: Mm. So if I was going to... I hear a lot about wine pairings. Yes. So if I'm going to say, I want a steak. Yeah, so in,
0: in the most general way, reds are best with red meat and whites are best with white meat. Right. And white wines go well with most pasta. But if you're having a pasta, say with a red sauce, you want red wine. You could potentially drink a red <laughs> wine with it. And basically, any Italian meal, you can drink red wine with it because they do. They do. And right. Quite well, simple. And then cheeses. Again, you. But this is getting into a completely different thing. But it's it's all about pairing flavor with flavor, so flavor. they complement each other. Mm. It becomes more complex with cheeses we won't go into that
1: that's for another episode
0: that's for another episode yes, but once you're tasting the wine let's let's get into cleansing the palate because that's always interesting
1: yeah what, what is it
0: yeah so the uh, so basically to cleanse your palate is to wash away or clear off the flavor of what you've just been drinking so that you can fully appreciate the flavors and tannins of what you drink next, assuming that like if you're tasting wine and you want to be that guy who's tasting wine and spitting it out again then you definitely want to do this but if you're just having a night where you're going to drink several bottles then in between bottles you may still want to cleanse your palate to appreciate them Let, let's say you've got a few friends with you and you know, realistically between the many of you you go through 3 or 4 bottles and you want to taste the distinctive flavors of each one you want to cleanse your palate in
1: between so that so the same way You, if you're shopping for perfume or cologne, you sniff coffee beans. Yeah, so it doesn't all just mix together.
0: And uh, funnily enough, sniffing coffee beans is one of the ways that you can uh, that you can do it because, of course, the nose is tied very heavily into Mm. the palate.
1: Another way you could do it is to drink cheap beer.
0: (laughs) That's right. Well, well, not drink it. uh, Sort of never drink cheap beer. Yeah, wash it around in your mouth and spit it out again. Mm. Ten tends to be the uh, the recommendation on that one, but uh, you can also do it by uh, drinking room temperature water,
1: hmm.
0: or by eating uh, bland foods like white bread, plain saltless crackers, or celery. That works.
1: So, if you're having a wine night, make sure you uh, organise some celery sticks.
0: Yes, always a winner. Always a winner. Half oh, actually
1: we we got half a bottle left now, um, close to half. So we should probably talk a little bit about the history of Riesling since we've been drinking it all night. It's a white grape variety originating in the Rhine region of Germany. It's a aromatic grape variety displaying flowery, almost perfumed aromas as well as high acidity. I sound so pretentious when I say it.
0: It's hard to talk about wine without sounding pretentious.
1: So pretentious. Yeah. Like, it's not really unless you're talking about three to $400 bottles of wine. Yes. Then it gets pretentious.
0: Absolutely. But fortunately, in our next episode, we will not be so pretentious. We will be talking about whiskey. Whiskey. Which, How's that for a segue? Indeed. I mean, it can get expensive,
1: but it's still not pretentious much. It's a man's drink, is it?
0: Yes, yes, let's call it a man's drink, a man's or, or, drink. Or, or a woman's drink, we're, we're not sexist here Man's drink, woman's drink It's an attack chopper's drink attack It's, it's chopper's really drink. It's, it's anybody's drink, however you identify Whiskey is the drink for you And we will talk all about it in our next episode Check us out on Facebook And uh, if you've got any ideas for things we should touch on in future episodes Shoot us an email Or if you just want to have a whinge at us for mentioning attack choppers Feel free to do that too our email
1: is a good drop at gmail.com. So that, that's it. That's Until it. Until next time. Cheers.